0: The this morning was saying there is a resurrection coming to our lives. I mean, does, does anybody need a resurrection in some area of your life to, other than me? Um, that the things in your life, your passions, the promises of God, your sense of purpose, that some of those things that have died prematurely, whether by circumstances or by your own decision that you're just done with them, that the Lord is going to breathe life into that. And I was reminded; I was re, I just flipped over to to the story of Lazarus in John 11, where Jesus looks at at his disciples and he says, "Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, so we've got to go wake him up." And they're like, "Lord, why are we going to take this big long journey if he's just asleep?" And Jesus says, "He's dead." You're not getting what I'm saying. But his first thing is, it's just fallen asleep. And so I I just want to start this morning by saying, if there is something, there there are things, not if, there are things in some of us in here this morning that have fallen asleep. And the Lord is saying, in the spirit, I am releasing resurrection this morning to those things. I will revive those things. I will breathe on those things. And that which you thought was dead is only sleeping. And that which has died prematurely will rise again and you will see the fruit. You will see the passion arise. You will see those promises resurrect in your life. You will see your sense of purpose and calling rise up in you again. Amen? So. That's all free. That's not even a part of my message. <laughs> but I thought, man, Lord, that's... I was just... It was all over me. I just couldn't help but share that because I think it's really what the Lord is speaking and saying, hang on. Those things are not... That those things that you call dead are only sleeping. And the Lord is coming to, to breathe life on those. This morning, I want to focus a little bit um, on our homes and on our families And this is sort of one of those subjects that gets a little touchy, if you know what I mean. I don't know about you, but like I start talking about your home. And I'm not talking about the actual structure of your house, but the life inside of that structure and your family. And like those are like the sacred things in our lives that we're like, don't mess with that, you know, don't don't touch that. But uh, I just feel like the Lord is really calling us to dive into the very foundation of society, which is our family and our homes, and release and bring wholeness and health and light and and everything good to that. So does that sound okay for you guys? Are you, will you go there with me this morning? I believe that your home, that the home is a place that has the potential to see the greatest move of the presence of God. Because it's, it is, it's it's the very foundation of, of everything in our society. Um, in, the, in the book, The Decline of the Fall of the Roman Empire, this was written in 1788 by Edward Gibbon. And he lists five basic reasons why great civilizations crumble. Why they wither and die. Number one is the undermining of the dignity and the sanctity of the home, which is the human basis for society. This is written in 1788. And I don't think it's changed at all. You go back and you look at civilizations that were once great, that have withered and died, and it starts with something at the very basic foundation of our society in the home, where things begin to crumble there, and then it just goes haywire from there. And I don't know if you guys have like looked around our nation at all. But I would say that our homes and our families um, need a little bit of help. That the dignity and the sanctity of the home in America has been undermined to say the least. And not always by bad things. But how much time do our families really spend in their homes anymore? Some, some families are so busy with church activities that are all good, but it's, there's no life happening in our home because there are things that just draw our attention away. And I think that your home is such a, it's such a unique place. I mean, think about your family or your home, okay? It's 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 like the place where you're gone all day and you come home and, well, you should be able to just kind of let your defenses down, right? Some people put their defenses up when they get home, but you kind of just let it all hang out. You know what I'm saying? It's the place where your heart is fully exposed. The good, the bad, and the ugly, Right? We all, you all know this is true. You go home to your spouse and you can be the ugliest person ever (laughs) because you're safe with them and your children. It's like in your home, there's things that happen. Good, really good things, but also just really who you are because it's like a place of vulnerability, like when we're surrounded by the people that we love the most it has sort of a strange effect on us to just let us be who we really are you know we can find ourselves being the most loving we can also find ourselves being the most critical is anybody is this not happening in your home none not in ours <laughs> But it's true, like, you know, you're engaged to somebody and you just like see all these good parts of I mean, you might have a tiff every once in a while, Austin and Amanda, right? So then when they get hitched next year and start living together, then it's like a whole new ball game because you can only keep up that nice facade for so long, you know, and then at some point you're just going to bite their head off, <laughs> right? This is all happening in the context of our home. I'm probably way more blunt with John than I am with anybody else. I'm not sure that's a good gift necessarily. All right. But it's true. All right. And it's your home. It is not the school and it is not the church that shape your value system in your children. It is your home. I don't care how little time you spend there. There are things that. Outside influences, but it is what happens in the home where your children will find their values, where their culture will be shaped, where they develop, uh, where it shapes their passions, their prejudice, their their language, their their view of God, their sense of right and wrong. All of those things, whether we know it or not, are established in our home, in our children. Whatever's happening there, whatever they're being exposed to, the way you speak to them, the way you live your life in your home is all being transferred to your children. And your children will be a product of your home, not necessarily of school because they spend so many hours there or of the church because they come and hear a Bible lesson once a week. It is in your home. It is in that life that happens. And, I mean, I was convicted just in when I really started thinking about this because I thought, I want, that's like a heavy weight. Does anybody else feel that way? Like, that's a big responsibility. If our home has the power to shape lives, we're talking about something big here. And then if we really say that, yeah, we believe that's true, then you know what? It puts a lot more responsibility on us because it's way easier to say it's the school's fault. It's way easier to say, oh, it's a culture. You know, we do everything right in our home, but our kids, man, eight hours a day, they're exposed to this other culture. No, I, I, I firmly believe That your kids can be in a healthy home and be exposed to the culture and the yuckiness of this world and still become godly people with integrity and character who live for honor and dignity. And I believe that that can happen. And I believe it's our responsibility as believers to come back to this place and say, there's something powerful about our home your home is a powerful place. It is, whether you think it is or not, your home is a powerful place and your family is a powerful force. And I want to maximize that in my own family. This house is a powerful place. This family Is a powerful force. And if we, if we move back to the very basics of, of society, the the foundation and say, let's look at our home, let's look at our family, let's bring whole, uh, health and wholeness and everything into those areas, and then we join together, we will be a force to be reckoned with. Because I believe that from the very beginning, The enemy has known the power of a home and of a family. And his strategy has changed very little since the garden. In Genesis 2, this is familiar probably if you've been in church. Just go straight to the Garden of Eden here. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper that was just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed and closed up the opening. And then the Lord God made the woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, "This this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united in one. And now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Okay, so this is just like the first family, okay? You have Adam. He's hanging out in the garden. And the Lord is saying, I'm, I'm seeing that there's a need here. That he needs a companion. He needs somebody to help him and serve him and be with him. So he creates woman, And they live in the Garden of Eden. In their home. It's, It's established from the very beginning. And what does the enemy do? He comes right in. Comes right in. Talk about a bad day in your home. I mean, have you ever thought? I mean, I feel so bad for Adam and Eve because... It must just have been the torture of a lifetime to know perfection and no sin and all the love in the world and then experience it. I mean, like, we're just, we're just here in it. We don't know anything else. I mean, we catch glimpses, but we don't know what it would have been like to be in the perfect communion and love of God. And then that is a bad day when the enemy comes in and deceives you. The first fight. And God comes. The enemy comes. He he says, oh, look how beautiful the fruit is. Don't you want it? No, I can't have it. Oh, it's just because it's going to make you like God. Oh, well, if it can make me like God, that's not a bad thing, right? Because he's so good and all those things. So I'll just go ahead and eat it. She eats it. Adam eats it. The Lord comes and says, you know, what are you doing? They said, that we're hiding because we're naked. And he said, who told you you're naked? You know, and they're like, um, and he said, did you eat of the fruit? And this is what Adam does. This woman you gave me, you know, he got the look right then, <laughs> right? This woman, you know, that look, the look wives that we give our husbands, you know, he got it right then in that moment. But in that moment that they chose to disobey, division was brought in to their home and into their life. Destruction. And Eve was deceived and the beauty of the fruit and her desire to be like God outweighed her desire for God. And she disobeyed. So all of a sudden, their perfect world was full, their, their home, their, their family was full of division, shame, turmoil, all those things entered the house, so to say, entered the garden that day. And for the rest of eternity. And so when I say I think the enemy's strategy hasn't changed at all, that's what I'm saying. I I think that the enemy still knows if he can come in at the very basic level so sneakily with deception and turn our hearts away from the father, then it will breed the same dissension and division in our families and in our homes. He doesn't need to go after the big huge thing because you know what? The family is something that happens to every person everywhere in every culture, whether you're living in a tent, in a mud hut, in a mansion, in under a bridge, if you are with your family and you are living together with people, which is what everybody does. I mean, even single people, you have your life, your home, your what your place if he can come in on that level in every person's life and begin to dismantle those things, that's when we begin to see our culture turn into what it's turned into. Because there's no value for family anymore. There's no value for the home. If the enemy or even just our culture now can deceive us into turning our hearts from first God and then our home. He's become successful in his desire to destroy everything we've been created for. And I think, simply put, this giving of our hearts to anything other than God is just pure idol worship. And we we might not be bowing down to little carven statues in our homes. I, I don't think anybody in here does that. Let's hope not. That's not the kind of idol. You know, you talk about idol worship in the Old Testament. They're always worshiping idols and other gods. I'm not talking We're not bowing down to little statues. We're not worshiping some strange deity. We're not into all this... Stuff, you know, spiritism and all those things. But an idol can be described as anything you draw your strength from or give your strength to. Simply how you spend yourself, your time, your effort, your energy, your thoughts. So... Idols in our culture like I think I have a list somewhere I didn't bring my list with me things like materialism and money things like the internet pornography alcohol things like work like you just are a workaholic that can be an idol in you things like even even like your sickness or your wounds that just Consume who you are all the time, your thoughts, your energy, your money, everything. Dieting, weight loss. Your children. There's a healthy place for your children and there's an unhealthy place for your children. Your children can become idols, especially for ladies, I think. Where are you putting your money, your time, your energy, your thoughts? What, what is consuming you? Is it your iPhone? Is it Facebook? Is it your favorite TV shows? It's, it's those kind of things that I'm talking about that draw our hearts away. They draw our heart away from the Lord. And then they'll draw our hearts away from our family. When you look to anything else other than God for your satisfaction, when God is no longer the source of your adoration, we've forgotten how great he is. And we've chosen a lie over truth. In Romans, that's, it says that. It's, it's a powerful verse. In Romans 1, I'll just read it to you real quick. Verse 25, Paul's talking about idol worship and he says, They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of all eternal praise. That, That's simply put what idol worship is. And I think sometimes in our culture, you know, it's not always about the one person, although I, I've met a few people with the Bieber fever. You know, Justin Bieber is like an idol in our culture or has been. I mean, I don't even really know the guy or much about him or have even heard his music, I don't think. But, but you know, it's like the thing that sweeps the nation. And it catches your heart and you put all your focus on it and you, you put your money into going there and seeing it. And so it's not always about just. Idol is kind of a weird word because you just picture like I I always do like the the idol, you know, like the statue thing. But it's really just saying we're worshiping what's been created instead of the creator who's worthy of all of our praise. And I want to. I want to. Live in the truth. I want to live, remembering what God has done, and remembering who He is and His greatness, and focusing there. Because you know what? When you're thinking of how good He is, how could I possibly give my worship to anything else? And there's a beautiful picture of this in Scripture in Joshua 24. And uh, I've I've spoken a lot sometimes out of Joshua, but I I've been telling you for like a year now. I'm just so challenged by the book of Joshua. I've just been reading it and reading it and reading it. And I just continue to get so many good things out of it. And I feel like it's just a really great picture of where our church has been, where we're going. Just just kind of those things. It's like you've got this, this group of people, the Israelites, who are pressing in to God's promises... They're they're crossing over the Jordan, they're claiming the promises of God, they're seeing miraculous defeat. We talked about a message where we hunted down the five kings that were hiding in the camp, Um, if some of you were here for that. That's all in the book of Joshua. And the people of God have just experienced his hand so many times over and over and over. And this is the very end of the book of Joshua, and these are Joshua's last words to the people before he dies he's over a hundred years old and he's just met with his elders and leaders and he's Telling them all these things then he gathers the people together And this is what he tells them. so i'm going to start in 24 Then joshua summoned all the tribes of israel Including their elders leaders judges and officers so they came and presented themselves to god And Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor lived beyond the Euphrates river and they worshiped other gods. But I took your ancestor Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him into the land of Canaan. I gave him many descendants through his son, Isaac to Isaac. I gave Jacob and Esau to Esau. I gave the mountains of Seir while Jacob and his children went down into Egypt And then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I brought terrible plagues on Egypt. And afterward, I brought you out as a free people. But when your ancestors arrived at the Red Seas, the Egyptians chased after you with chariots and charioteers. And when your ancestors cried out to the Lord, I put darkness between you and the Egyptians. I brought the sea crashing down on the Egyptians, drowning them. With your very own eyes, you saw what I did. And then you lived in the wilderness for many years. Finally, I brought you into the land of the Amorites on the east side of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I destroyed them before you. I gave you victory over them, and you took possession of their land. And then Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, started a war against Israel. He summoned Balaam. This is the story of Balaam and his donkey is against the, the Israelites. Okay, but I, I would not listen to him. Instead, I made Balaam bless you, and so I rescued you from Balak. When you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, the, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, and all the other ites. But I gave you victory over them. And I sent terror ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or your bows that brought you victory. I gave you land that you had not worked on. And I gave you towns you did not build, the towns where you are now living. I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant any of them. So fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your, that your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. And as we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living there in the land. So we too will serve the Lord for he alone is our God. And then Joshua warned the people. You're not able to serve the Lord, for he is holy and a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he's been so good to you. But the people answered Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. You are a witness to your own decision, Joshua said. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied. We are witnesses to what we have said. All right, then, Joshua said, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts To the Lord, the God of Israel. And I wanted to... uh, That's a long passage to read. And it has the, the familiar scripture to a lot of us. Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But I thought that it was interesting because that, in the context of this passage, is said... Right after he has described everything the Lord has done for them. Do you see what the Lord was doing? He was reminding them of who he was. And how powerful he was. So by the time he got to the end. The people were like, no, we're going to serve the Lord. You see, it, it, it drew the line in the sand for them. It made them say, we're going to do it. And probably since... The beginning of the summer, well, even since last summer, the Lord has put that message of, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord on my heart. Because I think, you know what, the Lord is calling us to something higher. He is calling us to serve him alone. He is calling us to give him every section of our lives, even the scariest, most vulnerable place, which is our home, where there is all kinds of things that probably nobody else in this room knows about that goes on in your home. See, it's easy to show up to church service and have it together and worship Jesus. But there are some people that go home and your marriage is in shambles and you are hiding in shame. You are hiding in sin. You are controlling each other. You are, you're, you're angry. There's, there's things that are happening. There's things that are happening in your homes. And the thing that I I thought about when I read this is you can choose this day to serve the idols of the generations before you. See, because some of you, the generations before you chose the idols of infidelity, of sexual immorality, of alcoholism, of materialism and self-image. You can choose to follow those lines that your ancestors have chosen. But the Lord has done things for you. He has rescued you. He has brought you victory. He has, he has torn apart your enemies before you. And so you can choose this day to serve the Lord. And I'm talking about this as our own specific homes. And I'm also talking about this as our house. Because as as a leader, as for me in this house, we will serve the Lord. And you know what? That has not always been the case. We can choose people to follow a line that has been set before us here. And you know what? Some of those same idols, sexual immorality and infidelity, have been something that we could choose to follow and allow to continue to be an idol in our house. But as for me, in this house, we will serve the Lord. Because I've seen too many things. I've seen the Lord rescue us. It was the Lord that healed Shane of cancer. It was the Lord who walked through... Through transition with us. It was the Lord who put to death the spirit of offense that has been taken over here. It is the Lord who is who has opened the doors into our community. It is the Lord who has opened the doors for servanthood for us. It is the Lord who has done miraculous things in our presence. Do you understand? It is Him who has healed our people. It is Him who has done it. And so how could we ever choose anything less than to give our hearts and our adoration to. So I'm talking corporately, but I'm also talking personally. I have a video that I want to share with you. And it's, it's one I had already been so challenged by this whole idea. Of, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I don't even know how John was... Online one night and he pulled up this guy's website and it had this video on it and he played it and I just started crying And the song is called as for me in my house but it's a picture of Turning away from idols and and saying i'm going to cross over the jordan and i'm going to embrace the promises for me And so what I want us to do is I want us is it going to be good to go? At some point um, I want you to watch this and just be challenged by it. And then we're going to have a response. Um, because I, there's just something powerful about it. Because I, I believe one thing that the Lord told me about this, this morning is that he wanted to stir our hearts to action. He want, it doesn't just want to be like a nice message. like, oh man, that's good. Let's do this. No, it's like, I, I want us to be able to stand up and say, as for me and my house... I will serve the Lord and mean it with everything in you. And you know what? That might take some humility. That might take some repentance between you and your spouse or your children. It might take some, some serious like, we haven't been doing this and I'm so very sorry and let's do it for real. But I believe that the Lord wants to move our hearts to that, to that passion and that, that sold outness for him. not let the enemy and our culture continue to make this a reality in our lives. Let us be people who will not give our hearts to another. Because the fact is, the idols will rage around us, whether you serve them or not. But today, this morning, I ask, choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. You can choose to serve the idols of our culture and the generations before you. But as for me and John and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm, I want to just take a moment because I, I believe that we can't have this message and not have a response. We'll just play that song again. And if you just need to take care of something, because, you know, I don't, want, I don't want the husband to be like, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. And the lady's like, uh-uh, honey. <laughs> we have some stuff, you know. I saw I saw a picture, man, just as as we respond, some of you men, man, you might need to to take that posture at your wife's feet. And ask for her forgiveness. Some of you ladies might need to go to your husband and just like give up control and allow him to be the head of your home. But let's choose today who you're going to serve. So we'll play this song. I'll allow you to just respond as you need to with your family. But if you choose today to serve the Lord, I want I want you to make a response. Whether that's to stand up and and say it, whether that's to move up here to the front. To, to take a step out and to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I will no longer let the idols of this world control me. So, let's play that and we're just going to respond. Father you see our hearts You hear our heart cries Forgive us for Getting so caught up in The things of this life Even the good things That would take our hearts away from you And our home And I pray father that this day Would mark a day in our lives when we really chose. No, we're going to serve the Lord in our home, in our family. And that's scary because it means there are things exposed and it means we give you permission to work on us. But you are so worthy and you are so good. That we cannot give our hearts to anything else Continue to remind us of all that you've done for us Because it moves our hearts To passionately pursue you even stronger And as we turn our hearts From the things that we've been lost in I thank you that you are releasing that resurrection That you are awakening things in us. Thank you that our homes are a powerful place. And our families are a powerful force. And Lord, today. As for us in this house. We will serve the Lord. Amen. Go out and be blessed. Enjoy your home and your family this week. Love them better.